So tonight I want to talk to you about don't re-gift the gift. Don't re-gift the gift. Now Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 and 12 talks about don't re-gift the gift that God has given you. All right? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. Let me read this. It says this, and he himself, this is following where we left off last week, that he might fill all things in verse 10, and he himself gave, there's a gift there, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, here it is, some pastors and teachers. For, here's the connecting word, for, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So what you have is a lot of people in a lot of churches have a lot of pastors that serve the body of Christ. We have a plurality of pastors here at Sagemont. That's the way God wires us. That's the way God has gifted us. So you can write this down. All pastors are teachers, but not all teachers are pastors. All right? All pastors are teachers, according to the Word of God, but not all teachers have to be pastors. So what Paul is talking about here, when he was talking about gifts in verses four, uh, 7 through 10 in Ephesians chapter 4, he's talking about uh, specifically, I'm not going to go with apostles and prophets and evangelists, uh, I'm going to stick to the part about pastors and teachers, because that would be where we are here. So the word pastor would mean a, a shepherd of the flock. Uh, one who, who guards the sheep and grazes the sheep and guides the sheep all according to the Word of God because a pastor is an equipper and he's a teacher. So, so pastors, don't, we don't drive sheep at Sagemont. We lead sheep. And the way that we lead sheep is we lead sheep according to the Word of God because that's our giftedness. That's our calling. All pastors are teachers. So we've been gifted by God to communicate the truth of God's word. And it's very important that we do that because a lot of churches hire pastors to do the work of the ministry. And that is not our calling. It almost sounds arrogant that I would say to you tonight that I am a gift to you. That almost sounds arrogant if I wrote this, but I didn't write it. So I am God's gift to you. And so is Pastor Matt, and so are the other pastors on staff. We are God's gift to you. So don't think about re-gifting the gift. Many of us have re-gifted gifts over the years. You got a pretty good gift, and you re-gifted that gift, and you weren't honest to the person who you gave that gift to, because that gift was given to you as a gift. But you re-gifted and re-wrapped the gift. Paul is talking about pastors and teachers, shepherds of the flock here. He's saying they are a gift to the body of Christ. They are a gift. So don't re-gift the gift. I've been in churches in the deep, deep south where they re-gift the gift about every year. They do it all the time. The average stay of a pastor is maybe a year. That's a victory. Uh, if you go beyond that, it's, it's called a miracle. But when you think about what God says about pastors and teachers... They are to shepherd the flock of God, and they are gifted to lead, and they're teaching, all right? So, so that's what Paul's saying. Let me, let me give you the word equip here. This is an important word for us to understand, because Paul was talking about, in verse 10, he talked about how Christ fills all in all, how Christ is transcendent. 
We talked about that last week, how he fills everything to the fullness of who he is. And so the idea of the word fill there would be to, to permeate. He, his spirit, his presence permeates the earth. He fills all in all. The earth is full of his glory. Isaiah talked about the whole temple is filled with his glory. And so there's nowhere you can go and nowhere you can run where God's not already there. So quit running from God. He's already there. His presence, his power. He's there. He's a transcendent God. And so he, we talked about the filling that comes uh, last week when we ended in verse 10. And then he turns right around and he uses a connecting word. And he said, and he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastor teachers for the equipping of the saints. So the word equip is like a big word. It's a huge word. Let me give you a couple of word pictures of what the word equip means. It means to thoroughly furnish someone. So, so pastors, as we teach, and as sheep listen to the word of God from the shepherd, uh, not the chief shepherd, but the under-shepherd to the chief shepherd, then, then they are thoroughly furnished in the word of God. The last thing we need is, is to, to go to another conference and get something from the conference and plug it into a church and say, that's what we're going to do. No, no, the equipping comes in the body of Christ when shepherds, uh, spend time in the Word and bring the Word, and, and this Word of God, it shepherds you as the sheep. It guards you against false doctrine. It grazes you in the Word of God, and it disciplines you at times. But that's a pastor's responsibility. I wish sometimes that we wouldn't have that responsibility on our shoulders. It would be a lot easier to sleep at night. And here's one of the things I've learned over the years in pastoring is the people that I'm shepherding, the people that I'm equipping, the people that I'm sharing the word with, they are not my property. They belong to God. And sometimes I feel like, I, I just, I feel responsible. And I, and I give watch care over the people through the word. And our pastor does, and other pastors do this. It looks different in different areas of ministry, like children's ministry, uh, Wes and equipping will look a little different there, and then education ministry equipping might be there. But the only tool for equipping is God's Word, not the last book, not the last conference. It's God's Word, and so many churches have gotten away from using God's Word to be the tool to equip the people, because we're to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The saints, that's you. So we equip you, you pay us so that we can bring the word to you so that you can leave here thoroughly furnished so you can find your ministry and be excited about it and let God energize you. The word equip means to mend broken nets. It's like a fisherman. Fishermen back in the day, they would come in from their fresh catch and the first thing they would check is to see if there were any holes in the nets. Because the fish would fall through the holes. And, and the idea would be, at the word picture would be, that, it, that a pastor is, is mending nets, if he will, when he's preaching. He's mending nets. He's, he's li people's lives aren't holding the blessings of God because there's holes in their lives. And so the blessings are falling right through the nets. But when, when a pastor, a teacher comes along and equips the saints of God, they begin to hold the blessings of God. And then those blessings that come to you didn't fall through you, they go through you to somebody else. And we equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I have never found a job description in all my 38 years of ministry that actually had this verse in it. 
I've seen churches, you just, just search. Job description, senior pastor. This is the job description that the Holy Spirit wrote. That's the one that I'll be held accountable for. Think about that. God wrote this. So the job description of every pastor in America, anybody who calls themselves a pastor, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We do that because people's lives are broken and the nets can't hold it. So we mend it by preaching the word of God and teaching it. The other picture is, it's kind of a picture of going to the doctor. If you've been to the doctor, here's what a doctor says. Right before they're going to reset the bone that's dislocated, keep your eyes on me. That's what the doctor says. Keep your eyes on me. And then all of a sudden, man, they pop that thing into place. Keep your eyes on me. You know what we as pastors do? We tell you, keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. We men broken nets. We understand that. We are sheep ourselves. Don't, don't, don't think for a moment that we don't understand that we're sheep. We, we understand that, but we shepherd the sheep. And sheep make sheep. So, so the healthier the sheep become, the more that they can work the ministry out in their lives. So Paul is saying here that pastors or teachers are used for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. So our job is not to just carry crippled people to Jesus. It's to carry the healing word of God to crippled people. That's what our job is. We use this word. It's the tool. It's as we study it, we preach and we present it and we pastor and we shepherd the flock. So when the flock gets shepherded by the word of God and people are thoroughly furnished and equipped, then that's when ministry gets fun. Because that's when you go leave here and you just say, Lord, you're the fuel, you're the fire. Release the one who's mature in me, which is Christ in me. And you begin to minister because you've been equipped, and when you're equipped, you begin to flow in that area of ministry that God has gifted you for. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So Paul says this, that's what pastors and teachers are for, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And so it's important to understand that, that, that the people that were called to shepherd and preach, I mean, I may want to give you a big hug but my arms aren't as big as God's arms. So the only way I can ever hug you is through the word of God. But God's arms are much bigger. And sometimes we think things in our mind like, you know, I remind myself, I didn't go up on the cross and die for anybody. I, I may feel the responsibility of shepherding the sheep, but I didn't give my life. He did. So the word of God is so powerful. And I want to encourage you in your life to get into the Word of God and let that Word flow and equip you on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and in your iConnect classes because we have great teachers. And here's the beautiful thing about it. Paul was talking last week about our identity. Now, I use my spiritual gifts, and you do as well, not in order to be okay because people serve to get notches in their belt so that they think that if they have enough good and it outweighs the bad that they'll make it into heaven, that, that, that you're missing the whole point. You can't work your way into heaven. You come to Jesus bankrupt, totally desperate for him to do what only he can do, and that saved you by his grace, and then he makes you okay with him, and then you serve out of already being okay, not in order to be okay. And that's important to understand. I served with a pastor for eight years before he got saved. Eight years. It's his own testimony. 
He was preaching the word of God, strong, powerful. He was gifted in my mind, a, a natural mind. And then he realized the very thing he was preaching, he didn't know the God of the book. And he got saved. Now, people still got saved under his ministry. You know why? Because the word of God doesn't return void. But when you talk about when he got saved, man, you talk about cutting it loose. Man, it, it just, the fire just went. So, so here's what I want you to understand. We, we as pastors, we're gifts to you. But you're also a gift to us. So I don't want to re-gift my gift either. I don't want you to re-gift your gift because we're all gifted. These are talking about, he's talking about gifted men, and then he's talking about gifts. Now, with that as a backdrop, let's go to Romans 12. And I'm going to give you what I think is the purest list of gifts in the New Testament. So you're, you're going to have probably one or maybe two of these gifts. You, you have them already. They're already deposited in you. And the only way you get a gift is you become a follower of Jesus and you trust Christ as your Savior and that's the gift of grace that he gives you. It's not a talent, it's a spiritual gift. So it's not natural, it's supernatural. So here's what Paul says in Romans 12. He's going through verses 1 through five, and he's talking about having your mind surrendered. He's talking about, in verses three through five, uh, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. There are a lot of people with their spiritual gifts, they think way more highly of themselves than they ought to think. And what happens is the gift becomes the priority in the body, not Christ. So Paul's telling us here, man, be careful about your gift, because in the spirit, God can use your gift and manifest his power and presence in such a way that people be touched for eternity. But if you mess around with your gift and you get in the flesh with your gift, it'll, it'll mess people up because they won't see Christ, they'll see you. So, so here's what Paul's saying here. He's talking about gifts because he's talking about don't, don't be filled with pride and don't think of yourself more highly than you should. And then he comes down to verse six and here's what he says. Having then gifts differing according, here it is, to the grace that is given, all right? So, so pastors are gifts. Don't re-gift the gift. Grace is the giver of the gifts. And so it's, and these gifts are given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Um, basically, the word for prophecy there in, in our vernacular today because the apostles and the prophets were to lay the foundation. They didn't have the whole counsel of God's word. We do. So this would be the first spiritual gift. This would be the gift of preaching, if you will, because it would mean, some, it would mean to tell forth, to speak forth. That's, that's what the word prophecy or the word preaching would be. So there are people in the body of Christ. Now listen, this is not just a pulpit gift. This can be an individual gift. You can have the gift of preaching and be on a four-wheeler in, uh, and be up in a deer stand with somebody you just dropped, and you can, you can use the gift of preaching. It doesn't have to be a pulpit gift. It can be an individual gift because the word, the preaching here means that you speak forth the truth of God. It means that when you speak, you speak the whole counsel of God. You don't go outside the bounds of God's word. So it's a spiritual gift, someone that has the ability to communicate the truth and for people to hear the voice of God. So when people, the, the word for preaching here, prophecy would mean to confront somebody with the truth. To, to just, con have you ever been just confronted with the truth before? I mean, like it just laid on you. Like last Sunday, were you confronted with the truth? 
Most of you were sleeping. But, 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 but the pastor was, he, he was bringing, he was confronting you with the truth, the, the gift of preaching that God has given him and others on staff. That's what we do. We confront people with the truth. And the reason we preach the truth and we preach within the counsel of God's word and we don't water it down is because we didn't write it and we didn't give ourselves the gift. He did. So we handle this gift with care. We're a steward of the grace of God. So it's a very serious thing. So it's the gift of preaching, the gift of speaking forth the word of God. It's speaking forth the revelation of God so that preaching and confronting in a way with God's word, it's always within the confines of God's word because I'm the best tennis player in the world until you draw the lines. And a lot of pastors... You just watch TV, and, and hopefully you, you've got some discernment here. They don't even use the Bible. So you can't say they have the gift of preaching, because the gift of preaching, preaching will always be according to the counsel of God's Word. If you don't use God's Word, don't call yourself a preacher. You don't have the gift. You're in it for yourself. Let's just be honest. We've seen it. There are people who vie for position because they're in it for themselves. But when you have the gift of preaching, you know it came at a high cost and price, and it's been gifted to you. So when you preach the Word of God, it's like God's voice sounds like my voice tonight. It's like God speaking through me to you. It's like God's voice sounds like mine. But when I preach the Word, I want it to go much further than you hearing my voice. I want you to hear from Him. So I want it to go much deeper. That's the gift of preaching. That's what it does. It's a confrontation with the Word of God. Uh, let me see if I can explain. It's like a platform uh, that has stature. So the gift of preaching would be like a platform that has stature. And somebody's standing on that platform with the gift of being able to confront people with the Word of God. Do you remember Glenbrook Valley over here? Still there. But I grew up at Glenbrook Pool. And they had this big, huge, they had a low dive, they had a high dive, then they had a low platform, and then they had a high platform. And I would always go up, it would happen all the time, I would always go up to the high platform, because I thought I was able, I thought I, I would have enough nerve to go ahead and take the plunge. But what I did is I got up there on this huge platform, and everybody's watching, they're all around the deep end of the pool with the deep water where you can see the, it, deep water. And I go down and they, they, they just called me chicken as I went all the way back down. Well, let me tell you what the platform is in the gospel of grace. It's God's word and the power of it going forth from a place of stature, which is his word, from a place of a position where someone is gifted with preaching. And as they preach, it's like that person going off that uh, platform. They dive deep down into the pool and they come up. You can't take a deep dive unless you get in the, on the platform. And the idea is the gift of preaching, which some of you have, is a gift that God has given you. You don't do it up here like I do. You can do it in your office. You can do it with someone else. You can do it on a fishing trip, a hunting trip. So that means it means to tell forth the revelation of God. That's what it means. Now, look at the second gift. The gift here is a gift of service or ministry. Many of you will have this gift. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. That's the version I'm using, but it's the word service. It's a word that would mean 
to serve with passion, to, uh, to, to kick a trail of dust behind you because you're so excited about serving. So it's the idea of serving and passion. It's an idea that you have a service gift. And so it's not particularly, oh, do I serve in children's ministry or adult ministry or parking lot ministry? It can be specific to those things, but it's the fact that God has given you the gift to serve. So, so you serve out of this gift, and you use this gift. Do you remember when we used to have what was called service stations, not gas stations? You would pull into a service station, and you would go over the, the, the little black cord, and you would go over, and it would ring an attendant. It would go ding, ding, and ring the attendant who was sitting in the office. It let them know that you were there for service. They would come out. They would uh, ask you what you wanted. Here's what they would do. It was genius because they understood serving. They began, as they filled your car up, they let you stay in the car. They would check your tire pressure. They would check your oil. They would check your windshield wipers. Now listen to me. They sold more oil. They sold more windshield wipers. And they sold more tires because they checked those things. They were in the service business. And we as followers of Jesus are in the service business. It's a spiritual gift. It's the gift to serve, to minister. It's not a gift to vie for a place on the platform to say, look at what I'm doing. Listen, someone with the gift of serving never has to be recognized. They don't have to be recognized. Because they know that that's a spiritual gift that comes from God. And so they're serving and they're ministering. They see a need, they meet a need. If they see something as we leave here going down the children's building that needs attention, they'll pick it up if there's trash or something like that, and they don't want to be recognized for it. But it's the gift to serve. And the greatest servant who ever lived is Jesus. So it's just allowing Jesus to be Jesus in you. There's an old song, it's a hymn. Uh, Jesus, be Jesus in me, no longer me but thee. Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Jesus, be Jesus. I can't believe I remember that. It's an old hymn, but it speaks the truth of what this gift is. It's a gift. So here's what I want you to understand. It's a spiritual gift that you and I have. It's the power to serve. It's the power to serve. Not naturally, but supernaturally. So Venus Williams has the fastest serve of any lady in tennis at 130 miles an hour. She can be behind, she can be losing, they can break serve with her, she'll be like out of the match and people counting her out. But because of the strength and the power of her serve, she has been able to come back many, many times when people counted her out. Let me tell you something, many of you in this room have the strength to serve. It's the strength of your game. It's the power to serve because it's a spiritual gift that you have to serve. And so wherever you serve, wherever you plug in, it's the gift to serve. And God supernaturally energizes that. Now, that's, that's the second gift. The third gift is this. The third gift is the gift of teaching. That's what it says here. And he who teaches in teaching. So the idea of teaching would be uh, you, you're, you're able as a teacher of God's word. Remember, all pastors are teachers, but not all teachers are pastors. But you have the ability in teaching. It means to clarify. So a lot of people can preach the word of God, but they can never take it out of heaven and bring it down to earth. 
So the ability, when you have the gift of teaching, you begin to paint a picture of what the text says. And you can, you can take it, and someone says, man, that was a great message. But they brought it down to where I could understand it, clarify it. Some of you have the gift of teaching. And do you know why we have people in classrooms that don't have the gift of teaching today? Because they responded to a need, not a call. And the people in their classroom know they don't have the gift. They know they don't have the gift. It's a spiritual gift. Now, all of us can teach at any time where the Holy Spirit energizes us to do it. But when you have the gift of teaching, you're able to take the Word of God and clarify it and bring it down to where people live. It's like taking a helicopter that's hovering uh, over Methodist Hospital, in, uh, I call it the old St. John. I saw it just the other day, and, and the, the helicopter was hovering, and I'm like, what's going on? And it just hovered and landed on the pad right there next to the parking lot. That freaked me out. But that's what teaching does. That's the gift. The gift of teaching can land the plane right where you can understand it. And you walk away going, I get it. I get it. It's a spiritual gift. It's energized by the Spirit of God. So once you become a Christian, all of our efforts for you are come, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. But once you've come, all of our efforts are teaching you to go and equipping you to go and preaching so that you'll go. Not so you'll come and hear my choir or come and hear this or come and hear that. No, you've already come to him. Now you have a spiritual gift. Now use that gift to go, 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 go. With your gift, your energy, the power. Uh, I don't have the gift of administration at all. It's bad. One of the jobs I had required high administration. It flat wore me out. You know what God said? That's the only way I was going to get you to move. Because I had to show you that that's not where I've gifted you. So I had to wear you out so that I could put you in the place where I've gifted you. See, if you, if you serve a long time out of your giftedness, not only the people that you minister to are worn out, but you're worn out too. And th th that's because that's God's way of showing us. It's not where he's gifted us. Some of you have the gift of teaching. You can step up and you can serve in the body of Christ here, and you could use your gifts to clarify and be a, a service station where it goes ding, ding, and you say, how may I help you? Let me check your tires. Let me check your oil. Let me check your wipers. In fact, I'll sell you some stuff too. That's what he's saying. Look at the next gift. So he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation. It's a spiritual gift. It's not so much a pulpit gift. It can be. I have this gift, and I use it in my teaching as God leads me. I exhort many times in my teaching, almost all the time. The word exhortation means motion alongside. It means to come alongside someone. So in the body of Christ, when, when I'm grieving or you're grieving or you're hurt or I'm hurt, there are people that will just pass us by because they don't see it. They're not gifted in that way with exhortation. But there are people with the spiritual gift of exhortation that can see somebody in a room and know that they need attention and the Holy Spirit leads them to that person. It's the gift of exhortation. It's a spiritual gift of encouragement. It's like a spiritual cheerleader. That's this gift. Many of you have this gift. You've encouraged me in my 2017, my five years here. You've encouraged me in the body of Christ. Some of you have the spiritual gift of cheerleading, gift of exhortation, and you use it to bless the body of Christ. It's an individual gift. It can be a pulpit gift, but it's probably more an individual gift. 
in, in high school at Dobie, Earl, you'll know this, in basketball, we each had a cheerleader that would bring us goodies and kind of, while we're playing at, at uh, the field house and playing basketball, they'd be cheering two bits, four bits, you know, all this. And when we get the free throw line, they would encourage us. And I had a particular uh, cheerleader. Her name was Mona. She was assigned to me for the whole year. The last time I preached for Pastor Matt, she was sitting about 12 rows back with her husband. I hadn't seen her in 30 years. I couldn't believe it. I thought I was having hallucinations as I was preaching. And I just happened to catch her out of the corner of my eye, and then after the service, I went in the green room just to kind of rejuvenate, get, eat a banana, some peanut butter, and drink some water, and throw some stuff in that that makes me feel even better, and it's all legal. <laughs> but over the radio, security said, there's this girl, Mona, she, 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 wants, to meet, she wants to see you. This is from high school. I said, I'll, I'll be there. So I went into the uh, welcome center, and I talked to her and her husband, and, and we were both wild in high school. We, we talked about it. We were just both wild, without Christ, apart from him, no power. But we've both been saved by the grace of God, and we were able to connect right there in the welcome center. I said, I said it's by grace what you saw today, because that's not Freeman Tomlin on his best day. That's Jesus Christ in Freeman Tomlin. That's my gift to you, your gift to me in the body of Christ. What a beautiful thing. So the gift of exhortation is usually words, motion alongside. Someone can come and speak a word of encouragement to me, and I guarantee it will carry me the next two days. Some people that think they have the spiritual gift of criticism, it will cost them, it cost me a day or two. By the way, it's not a spiritual gift. It's flesh. Now let me give you another one. We've we got we to run through these quick, and then I want to close with an illustration. So the next gift, so, so these gifts, they're spiritual. You, you, you have one of these gifts. I, I, I promise you, you've got one of these gifts in you. I just don't know if it's come out of you yet. But pray about it. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you how he's gifted you. Now look at the next gift. This one, I'm going to get some emails. But since my role has changed, I delete them. Uh, it says, he who gives with liberality. So there are people that have the spiritual gift of giving. They really do. They, they, God has blessed them. God has graced them. Uh, they, they have to have it first in order to be able to release it. But it's a spiritual gift to give. All of us are called to give. There's no question about that in the Scripture. Not only give of our time and our spiritual giftedness, but of our finances as well. So this is the gift of giving. So it says to give in liberality, which means to give in abundance. The, the idea of the word here means that there's no strings attached to someone who has the gift of giving. I can tell you this, as a pastor for a long, long time, I had more than one person come up to me after a sermon and say, you know what, I'm not pleased with the way things are around here, and I'm going to withhold my gift to the church. Here's what I said, God being my witness. You do whatever you feel led to do, but that's not your money. That's God's money. You do whatever you want to do. So I knew right then those people didn't have the spiritual gift of giving because they didn't give with no strings attached. They gave, they didn't like some. oh, now I'm going to withhold it. Doesn't sound very right, does it? So if you have the spiritual gift of giving, you give it to the Lord and you don't worry if someone mismanages it because it's on them, not on you. We were right here in this auditorium. Jonathan, this would go way back. Sunday night church, Pastor John Morgan took a love offering, which we normally did a lot on Sunday night with a crowd of six, 700, passed the Kentucky Fried Chicken buckets, 
there was a some kind of mission that was going under. Something was going. Somebody needed help, and you know John's heart of mercy and his uh, gift of giving. He said, "Sagemont, let's just step up and let's just take up a love." I think we took up ninety thousand dollars. There wasn't seven hundred of us here. Gave it to whatever it was. Found out a little later, oh, that the money was mishandled, or that really wasn't what that was supposed to be. And people were saying, oh, I just, that, this, 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 this is not a, being a wise steward of our money. And John Morgan got up the next Sunday and he said, you know what? We had the biggest budget offering we've ever had in the history of Sagemont. And it was on the heels of us giving beyond and above and a forward like that. So here's the point. You can't ever outgive God. When you release it to him and you have the spiritual gift of giving, you've let it go. You don't have to track it. You don't have to worry about it. God holds people accountable. Believe me, he can do that. So when you have the spirit, some of you have that gift of giving. And when God speaks to you, and I think it would have been John Morgan in 1975, Pastor John. I mean, he had the, the vision to get us out of debt, and, and he did. And thank God we're still out of debt. And so, so that gift of giving, so the gift of giving, if you have it, you give with no strings attached. You, just, you give with no double motive. You don't come up to somebody and say, well, I just want to know. You show me where the money. Listen, here's the deal. Just give it to God and trust him. And I'm not saying don't be wise. Be smart, but give if you hear from If you have the gift of giving, it, you'll know it. Here's the, th- here's the other gift. Here's the gift of leading. And he who gives with liberality and he who leads, leads with diligence. The word leading means to stand before, to preside. Uh, Emory would have been in this meeting. Uh, Buddy Fortenberry would have been in this meeting, and I was in this meeting. We went to a meeting at Second Baptist that Pastor John Morgan wanted us to go to because he didn't want to go. So he sent his uh, guys over there, and we were in a meeting, and it was something about missions and, and uh, you know, supporting missions. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. There was a man who led the meeting. Who, he, we were in a conference. It was nice. Second Baptist was nice. It was nice. Nice conference room. We had food, everything. This man walked in. He stepped up in the chair and began to lead the meeting. And he was saying this and that, and he was pointing over here. He didn't even know who we were. And there were different people from different churches. By the time he got halfway through his presentation, he was on the table in the conference room at Second Baptist Church, on the table, telling us, okay, you're going to lead, you're going to lead missions to this part of the world, and, and you over here, this was Emory, and you're going to get the flight arrangements for them. And, you're, and, and he was just going, now watch. We left the meeting, we went back to Brother John's office and said, call him. Your, your, your friend just hired us because we can't work here anymore. We've been, we're going to be leading mission trips to wherever, and, and we have no time. And so Brother John, he made the call, and, ah, you know, and the guy said, oh, I know, I know. But here's what I realized. He had the gift of leadership. He stood before. He presented a plan. And those of us that were in the room, we almost said yes to everything because of his giftedness. It was just beautiful. But I realized he, pro- he had the gift of leadership. So leadership is to stand before the people, to preside over them, to get people to follow. And so that was a beautiful thing there. Um, let me give you the last gift, and, w- and we'll, we'll wrap it up. The last one here is mercy. And he who shows mercy, m- mercy is a spiritual gift. Exhortation shows itself as a spiritual gift in what you speak to someone. Mercy is what you do to someone. How you show that exhortation, how you show mercy to someone. It's fleshed out in how it works. Um, 
if you go to the hospital with someone who doesn't have the gift of mercy, you won't be there long. Because they're thinking of the next thing that they have to do on their agenda, and the person could be dying in the bed in the room, and they wouldn't see it. But the person with mercy gravitates toward them and probably helps them sip the water out of the cup and put it in their mouth because it's a gift. When you are moved by the compassion of Jesus, people with mercy don't just talk about it, they're movement in action, and they're merciful. So some of you have this gift of mercy. It's mercy. It's seeing a need, and it's meeting the need. It's seeing hurting people, and it's helping hurting people. And so it's the gift of spiritual gift of mercy. Now, here's what I want to say to you in wrapping up real quick. All of these gifts, all of them, are energized by the Spirit of God, not by man's flesh. You can be gifted by God, and your gift can be crashed before you and people when you get in the flesh. So it's always yielding to the Spirit. God, you've given me this gift. Would you motivate me to see people the way you see people? Would you move me if I have the gift of mercy to people who are needy so I can not just speak a word, so I can enter into their life and into their pain and touch them for your sake and for your glory? So these are seven gifts. Many of you have at least one, maybe two of these gifts. Use them for his glory. Don't say, I can't do it. Just say, God, do it through me. Reveal what it is. And I'm like Pastor Matt. He said this before. I don't think you have to take a spiritual gifts test. Because you may test out. You may not be doing well that day, and you may test on something. You say, that, and you'll take, oh, that's my gift. The way you use your gift, you get before God, and you ask him to reveal it to you, and you start serving somewhere. And if, you're, if, you, if you start serving somewhere, and that's not where your gifted God will move you, but he, he moves people that are already in movement, not people that are waiting to be slapped over the head. Just get in movement. If you think it's exhortation, you think it's mercy, start operating in some area of ministry. Speak to people, love people, encourage them. Here's the thing with gifts. Our greatest strength, which is diversity, can be our biggest problem. Because we, we may, with our gifts, want to vie for position in the body of Christ. Remember this, the gifts that God gives people, the people shouldn't vie for position. The body of Christ shouldn't even vie for position in the body of Christ because it's not about that. It's about Christ being central in the body of Christ. And when he puts his giftedness in me, then I am a gifted man or you are a gifted woman who can speak the truth, who can share the love, and you don't have to work your gift up. It's supernatural. It'll just flow like a river. I'll close with this illustration. Pretend that there are seven people sitting at a table with all of these, with these gifts. They each have one of the gifts I've mentioned. And somebody couldn't find a babysitter. They're having a party. Seven people around a table. My friend shared this illustration. I've never forgot it. Seven people representing these seven gifts are around a table having a party. And there's a baby at the table because they couldn't find a babysitter. And about 10 minutes into the meal, the baby flips out. Wants to flip out of the high chair, wants to flip out everything that they're eating, has got spaghetti in the ears and out the nose, uh, has thrown the plate that was given to them, and everybody 
is at that table. And if everybody in that moment sees a situation differently, then all of those gifts are going to begin to manifest themselves in that situation. Now, so let's just take the gifts. So, so there would be someone who would be at that table that has the gift of teaching. So they're going to begin to clarify why children do what they do. I've been studying children for a long time. And let me tell you, I understand. And so the gift of teaching is going to kind of, if you will, jump up on the table and start teaching. That's what's going to happen. If it's operating under the Holy Spirit and the power of God, that gift of teaching will manifest itself and people will learn in that situation something about a baby flipping out at the table because the gift of teaching will be supernaturally empowered. Then somebody that has the gift of serving is just going to jump up and get a broom and start picking up stuff off the floor. It's just supernatural. It's a gift that they have. So they're serving. Oh, give me a broom. It's okay. Start sweeping it up. All right, so there you got the gift of teaching, you've got the gift of serving, and then you've got the gift of exhortation. So, so someone's going to come alongside and, at that table and, and use the gift of exhortation, begin to speak positive things, and give us five reasons why this happened, and, and exhort all of us at that time using their gift of exhortation. Then the person who has the gift of leading is going to try to organize all the people at the table to do their gift. You pick that up, you do that, just like standing on top of the table. Then somebody with the gift of giving, because the, uh, the, the plate was broken, is going to say, here's $20. Take, here, here it is. Take care of it. It's the gift of giving. And somebody with the gift of mercy is going to go over to the child while everybody's doing what they're doing according to their giftedness, and is just going to pat that little child on the cheek and say, it's going to be okay. And just show mercy and ooze it out. And other people are going to go, no, that's their giftedness. And then every mother has the gift of prophecy. Doesn't she? She has the gift of prophecy. She's going to go over and say some things. The gift of preaching, if you will. The confront. So you see, if all seven people at that table are energized by the power of the Holy Spirit, then God's going to do what he wants to do because he's going to release his life in beautiful different ways in the midst of a situation that looked tragic. Do you see what it can happen in the body of Christ? What God can do in our lives and in our church and in our family if we'll just... Let him use the gifts he's given us for his glory and for his good.